The following program is rated TV MALSV. It contains strong language, sexual situations, violence, and nudity. It is intended only for mature audiences. doing good this is um it's funny definitely being on the opposite side of this and the jingle (laughs) that you could actually hear it yourself yeah 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 i'm used to hearing it i mean i mean you listen to the podcast right yeah of course yeah i mean yeah i don't know i don't know how many episodes i edited so yeah the jingle has been burned in my head but obviously listen more than once yeah listen a few times but yeah, so it's this is definitely weird being on this side of this. Definitely, yeah, it's funny. I don't. I mean, they seem to have a really natural banter. I don't know. I'm I'm typically a few words. I don't know how you are usually, but <laughs> oh, I'm I'm like Ricky Bobby. Like it's like, <laughs> what do I do with my hands? Like I, I just <laughs> I don't know what to say. I mean, even in uh, like the one the couples episode that we did. I mean, even though. I was like watching like what the questions were, were coming in from the live. Yeah. Cause the patrons were watching that live, but then also like trying to make sure that the mics were recording and we were actually picking us up on the microphones. So it was like, my mind was all over the place at the same time while trying to kind of figure out like what we were all talking about. And <laughs> give good yeah. Answers. You were more worried about the technical parts. Cause well, that's just, typically what you have to deal with. Well, yeah. And also, you know, like, can you hear us? Like, can I actually hear you and and you know if i can't hear you then they can't hear you and it's just yeah. you know a lot of technical stuff so this know, is what but, we usually have to deal with guys is the technical side of things when they're like this isn't working how come this is wrong what's going on my video is not recording <laughs> <laughs> and usually it's happening on your side daniel usually gets me before they start but then when things start going with them then things go awry on their on, at least oh, yeah. on scout side yeah. but hopefully uh, those problems are in the past. Even Let's though hope so. we're upgraded, we're upgraded. We got the gig, we got the new <laughs> new hardware, the new software, we got everything. So new new computer, new gig, Ethernet. So, but I know, and look, oh, I know all the fans. I mean, they everybody says, oh, you know, how how come you guys haven't gotten this stuff figured out by now? And we try, <laughs> we have it. Well, that is, out. I feel like the girls have switched, like. It 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 feels like the either the the setup or the location or the producers have switched to like four times now. So it just feels like this is good. You know, being with Bloody Disgusting is great because now they have a home, so to speak. And hopefully we'll get the kinks worked out with the software, the recording and all that. It's just the way that everything is done constantly changes. And I mean, you know, we go from you know, just straight microphones and recording on cameras to now having to record distance when scouts in, in Thailand or, yeah. or on yeah. set. And, and then, you know, and then lives are a whole other thing. You know, when you have a live audience, everything changes. We have to change, yeah. you know, what the lives are fun though. This. The lives are fun. I mean, I, I know you've been to a couple, I did two now, I think that I've, I've been either in attendance or helping with the audio or whatever. Those are super fun. Yeah. The live, the lives are definitely Definitely the most fun for sure. And definitely yeah. if you have the opportunity to make it to a live, take advantage of that. Cause it is definitely a whole lot more fun, a lot more, you know, having the energy of the, 
the fans oh, yeah. in the room changes oh, yeah. everything. I mean, and it's wild. It's wild what like people will admit to. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, look, I'm a Catholic <laughs> boy. Like I was raised, you know, conservatively, but like, this is, it's wild. Like people are like, yeah, I'm in defeat. <laughs> you know, like right oh, there I mean, people are, more, people are more honest in the lives than they are, you know, hiding behind their keyboard in a weird way. Oh yeah. I mean, oh, yeah, it's, I mean, we ask, we ask for the, the girls ask for the questions. We ask for the questions, you know, and about fetishes, feet and all that other crazy stuff. Yeah. And, you know, we get responses, but, but really in the lives, that's when people really seem to let loose for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the booze helps, you know, <laughs> usually it's a crowd. They're serving, yeah. So. I mean, I think also, you know, everybody pumps each other up, of course, yeah. live setting. They're right there also in front of them. So they know their questions being read or being heard. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe, I don't know, maybe they're doing a little bit of, uh, for shock value, maybe just to see what maybe, you know, maybe, but, but I, will, I will say this too. You know, this is something Danielle and Scott will say. It's like the community, it's usually at horror conventions, right? And the and the community is very uh welcoming and like familial. I feel like everybody sort of knows each other, even the fans that come to those conventions. It's like everybody sort of knows each other. It's like a social thing where they'll even meet up or, or like kind of go on the road and hit different shows. And so it's kind of cool in that regard. Like, that you have that community in the fan base because I, I know not everyone is like that, but that's, that's a, that's kind of a cool side benefit of going to those conventions. Oh yeah. I mean, I've heard just from Danielle's patrons and from her telling me the stories, I mean, they meet up, they hang, they talk online The you know, it is a, it is a strong community. That's actually one thing that blew me away and I learned very quickly once we started dating and I, the very first convention I went to was, Texas Frightmare in Dallas. Mm -hmm. I remember mm -hmm. we were just dating then and just seeing like the camera. I mean, everybody knew each other. Everybody was, you know, if they didn't know each other, they became friends, either waiting in line or going to a, a Q and a panel. And then just even more so now with this show, I mean, it seems like they've gotten closer. I mean, we've definitely gotten to know them a whole lot more, you know, people writing in questions, comments all the time that are repeats or people join on Patreon. It, yeah, it's a, it's a super tight community. It's actually, it's really cool because I don't think there's any other genres that that happens. I mean, again, we're not involved in those, so maybe we just don't see them. But I don't think like, I don't know, action thrillers or rom-coms or, you know, drama. I mean, I mean, I guess there's no really conventions around those maybe. But, <laughs> well, I mean, I saw one of these like nineties conventions or something where it was like saved by the bell cast and full house and all these different, you know, folks from like our old nineties favorites were all there, but that's kind of different, right? Like that's, that's more, that's yeah, more generational. And I think it's also more of like a, that's like a once a year thing where yeah, yeah. and the core conventions, I mean, there's in any given weekend, there could be, I don't know, maybe two or three going on in different Very states true. at the same time. Probably even more than that, especially during October. Very true. So it's, yeah, it's super cool to see that community and see how people become friends in that. I mean, I think actually it was just the other night, Daniel was having a top tier Patreon like movie night and they're all hanging out and, and Daniel had to hop off for some reason. I don't remember what I actually, I don't think I was there, but she, it was like, you know, two and a half hours later, I think the, oh, the wow. movie was long, <laughs> long done by then. And she hopped back on and there were still like two or three of them. Oh, that's cool. Just, just hanging, hanging out. out and chatting and, you know, yeah, you know, that's a weird thing. Stuff. That's a weird thing that I feel like is happening now as part of like the zoom generation or remote work or COVID all, all those things, you know, the work from home thing that's happening is like, I have 
you know, I worked when I'm not doing stunt work, I'm working software engineering. And so like during the day I have meet, you know, corporate style meetings. And like, I have coworkers right now in New York, Boston, Austin, Texas, down there, Louisiana, like they're all over the place. And it's like, I, and really the guys I work closest with, like, I know what their apartment looks like and they know what my room looks like because, and and you kind of get a clue of like either culturally what they're into or what style of art or, you know, music or whatever they're into just from little clues in the room. Like one guy, it seems like he has like the, the four elements behind him when he, when he goes on conference call and then he has like a Japanese style thing and it's all in that Japanese style. So he must be like really into the, that Japanese culture or like whatever. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Something there. I mean, yeah. I mean, I guess you don't see these people. Usually you wouldn't see them outside of your office. I mean, definitely wouldn't be, unless you guys were all really close you definitely probably wouldn't be going to their homes and hanging out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Now you're, you're invited into their home, into their, into their dojo. So, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) So, so since we're on the subject, just to go back for a second, we were talking about conventions and I know somebody wrote in one of the questions. I think it's from Instagram. I I don't know if it's one of the pre-selected questions. Yes, folks, we did get an outline. Cause they, even though they said they were going to go hands off, no hand holding, no training wheels. There, we were giving I need that training wheels. Follow, so. yeah, yeah, I need but, training but, wheels. Like, I'm not good with this. Trust me. This yeah, is yeah. Very this uncom- is new. This is new for both of us. So, so bear with us. Thank you for tuning in. So, so let me ask this question because I do think I saw it on one of the Instagram uh, questions. Was like, what's your favorite horror movie? You know, and, and that's, you, you don't have to say why, Danielle. No, I, I mean, the funny <laughs> thing is, is, you know, before meeting Danielle, I really didn't watch any horror movies. Oh, it thank you. Me too. It, it wasn't, Me too. It, it just, I mean, my wheelhouse really was stupid humor, stupid comedies. I yeah, mean, you yeah. go back to Animal House to, I don't know, Van Wilder, like, you know, fun, stupid movies that you could mentally check out or leave the room and come back and pick right back up and and still be laughing and being entertained. Also, I think, I mean, for me, the stupid or, I mean, stupid, stupid humor, comedy stuff, I mean, is like, it it was like a, it's a mental checkout for myself. Yeah. 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 For sure. It's escapism. Yeah. I mean, the world is, you know, work and everything else is so stressful as it is. I don't want to watch, didn't want to watch a movie that I'm not stressed, to be stressed out. out about, or have to, or have to <laughs> think super hard about. I mean, I just yeah, want to yeah. just turn myself off mentally. I mean, obviously, I mean, look, I, I, I love the whole, the Halloween franchise. I think yeah. that is a good timeline. It's good, real story, and it's not so unbelievable. Right, right. I mean, yeah. Obviously, that, that, you know, that's my favorite type of horror movie. Is it, it, if you're doing believable. like sub sub genre is like either I really like exorcist movies like haunting or like, you know, things that, that either were documented cases and then people were like, Whoa, that's weird. I mean, and, and sure that probably appeals to a little bit. Again, I grew up in the Catholic church and like, you know, I'm very well versed in angels, demons and uh, Satan and all that kind of good stuff. So like, it was kind of like, like the exorcism of Emily Rose, like as far as modern genre. And then, I, I was a big fan of Halloween too. The the OG, you know, old school, nineteen seventy eight, whatever it was, seventy seven, seventy eight uh, Halloween. Like I kind of grew up on that. My my dad worked at Circuit City. If you remember that store, no, it was like the Best Buy competitor. Oh yeah, and he he would always like bootleg us. We didn't have cable growing up, but he would always like they would always have movies playing, you know, on the display models. Mm-hmm. And this is of course before internet and streaming and all that. So like they actually had like VCRs powering each television. And so they would, <laughs> they would copy a movie like Top Gun or Days of Thunder or something like that. And 
just show it on everything, but he would bring them home obviously. And that would be kind of like our movie night, unless we got to go to like the actual coveted blockbuster, you know, that would be our movie <laughs> oh, yeah. night though, or Hollywood video. If you remember the, the blockbuster I, I bootleg, but, <laughs> but yeah, my favorite, I want to say growing up, my favorite was like creature features too. Like, I don't even know if you would like nowadays, if you would consider gremlins like a horror movie, but that to me was like, that, that was a, like a classic and critters and like, even tremors later on, like any of those creature features, like those were always fun to me because they were probably because of something you said too. It's like, it was kind of funny, but you were in on the joke. Like they're little gremlins. Like you could pump one across the room if you really wanted to. But like the fact that that, or, or the critters, you know, like those, those things that were monsters were not really monstrous, but it was still like, as a kid, like they were kind of cute and fun and scary at the same time. And then the movies were also like, they seem self-aware, like, Tremors in particular was like super funny with Kevin Bacon. Like they were, they were just cutting up the whole time. Like it was kind of funny, but then they kind of get you with the scares and everything else. So like, those were my favorites growing up. And I'll say as a child, I think the one of maybe the first horror, the scary movie that I saw that definitely fucked me up was, I think it's arachnophobia. Oh yeah. Arachnophobia had no right being that scary. That was crazy. I, I, I don't, I mean, I don't know why I saw it or how I saw it. Definitely saw it just, probably part of it as a child. And that fucked me up for sure. I still fucking yeah. hate spiders. Yeah. I'll still fucking burn spiders. the goddamn house down over spiders. Yeah. And, no, and that's, that's of course sure. we live in a state with massive spiders, but the big ones are good ones, I guess. So I'm fine with that, but yeah, I still hate spiders and you know, I almost lost my foot to a recluse as a child. So yeah, but that was definitely the first, I'd say scary movie that, that got me. But now obviously being immersed in this world, I've seen obviously quite a bit more and I've seen, you know, some good stuff. <laughs> I've seen some questionable stuff and um, it's, it's entertaining all the way around. That's for sure. It almost seems like also like the more crazy and weird, the more popular it is, which yeah, again, yeah, you know, I kind of like, I kind of wish like, just like you, the more real, the more believable, then it's kind of, okay, this is more fun. Like, okay, that person really could just be, you know, a crazy person going around killing everybody. Th- those were not, more scary some, to me. Yeah, those yeah, are definitely not, more scary to me. Not like the the super mutant, whatever the guy that comes out of a green, you know, vat of something, and now he's got superpowers. Like, eh, okay, fine. But yeah, of the horror horror genres, the horror world, I'll, I'm still going Halloween. It's yeah, throwback OG and and just keep it old school. Yeah, it, and that's what to me at least was really funny was like as. uh you know, I, again, I'm, I'm kind of like you at my, my sort of admission here, my, my mea culpa is like before dating scout, I really didn't watch that many horror movies. I would watch the exorcism of Emily Rose or like the, you know, the, the ones like I talked about, like every once in a blue moon, I'd go watch a horror movie, but I wasn't like necessarily a devout fan of the genre. And I didn't always go to the movies and stuff to see them. So like, it, it is kind of a new appreciation for me. Like I, it, there's a good reason why they're the most popular genre of movie in the world, you know? And it, it's been nice to sort of get exposed to that. And, you know, I think somebody asked even in the live we did there, the, the couple's live, somebody said, you know, did you watch horror or did you know Scout before you dated her? Maybe that's something that people just ask me. They're always like, oh, did you know her before you dated her? And I was like, no, no, nope. I didn't. Yep. I didn't see that. <laughs> actually. So, uh, I, mean, I mean, yeah, definitely. It, that's definitely been a question I've been asked frequently and I, yeah we definitely were asked that in the couples and yeah i mean the i didn't know any of them i mean i knew of the movies had seen them i mean seen free willy seen don't tell mom but 
didn't make that connection and be like, oh, wait, yeah, I, I remember you from that. Uh, it, that just wasn't in my head. So, yes, I've seen, you know, had seen her movies before we dated um, and been together, but didn't remember them like that enough to be like, oh, okay, yeah, I remember you from that. I guess I just didn't watch those movies <laughs> enough yeah. as a kid. Makes sense. But yeah, good times. So, All right. So, the, so the next thing, bachelor parties, right? Where we, yeah, we no, were given, tell me, given the I outline. Just, well, I, I heard you just had yours in Colorado. So that was, yeah. you know, my old home turf. Yes. What did, what did, so what did you do in Colorado? Cause that's not the first place I would have thought of going for a bachelor party. Well, look, I, I, you know, I have no qualms about saying it. I'm, I'm now 40, 45 years old. And like, as you well know, at this point in your life, I mean, really once you're into your late thirties, like you've probably been to 10 to 20 to 30 bachelor parties, depending on how many, how many family members you have, how many buddies you had in college and high school and whatever. And like, man, I've done the Vegas thing. I've done the Nashville thing. I've done the, the, the beach thing. I've done almost everything you could do. I've at least had the opportunity to do it. And so for me, like, I just wanted to connect with some old buddies. Like I've been out and I've been back in California now for, uh, what is it? Six years. I want to say, you know, so I have a whole, like I went to college in Alabama. So all my, like some of my closest friends anyway, like half of them are still there. And the other half, like there's a few out here, you know, that I, that I've made good enough friendships with that, that I'm like, cool. You're in my, you're in my, my close group that, that went with me. But, you know, for the most part, like, you know, it's just like, you, you, you kind of seen it and done it. So like, to me, the more important thing this go around was like, I really wanted to go skiing because I haven't been skiing in a few years either and, or snowboarding rather. I wanted to do something sort of adventurous. Like, you know, I do stunt work and like, that, that's not to say I'm, I'm crazy, but like I, uh, or I do crazy things, but I really wanted to have like some sort of keynote or core adventure attached to the trip. And you know, what's funny is like, I'm really into horses, of course. And, uh, I really wanted to go and do like a cattle drive. And, cool. uh, cool. I thought that would be really cool, but they, they like have a weight limit on the horses, which I'm like right at the tippy top of that because you're doing like, you know, multi-day, very long yeah, days, riding, like riding. city slicker style. Like you're out on a cattle drive, which is a great movie, and, <laughs> which is a great movie. <laughs> great movie. But then I, we settled on like the snowboard trip because we found a like snowmobile adventure company. And that nice. was awesome. I would do it again in a heartbeat. That was my favorite moment. I think everybody that did it, there was only one guy that had to leave early and couldn't do it. But everybody oh, that did it was like, this is the coolest thing ever. Every time <laughs> we stopped, you know, the, the tour guide would like, we, we were first in line behind the tour guide. It's a guided tour. And there was about, I want to say there's like eight to 10 people on the tour. And we were half of that. No, so we lined up right behind him or he lined us up right behind him, which I, totally appreciated. I put one of my buddies in front of me because I know myself. And I was like, if I would have been the first after him, I would have just been like wide open the whole time and probably messed myself up. So I put one of my buddies in front of me and then I was second in line. And and really we kept the things pretty wide open. I'm sure they're governor, governor, you know, like there's a governor on the speed probably just so people don't outright kill themselves. No, there's not. <laughs> they, oh, there's not. Oh, no don't, way. No. I don't, I don't believe it unless they just have the lower, mo- lower CC models. But like, we were pretty wide open at times doing like single track. And the guy was like, you guys are cool. Let's rip this thing up. And he started Go taking us th- through trees, single track where like, if you went off and hit the tree, like you probably would have been pretty messed up. Oh, <laughs> but, yeah. um, 
but yeah, that was, that was like the keystone event, man. Like I just wanted to get out and do some winter sports and hang out with the boys and, you know, mission was accomplished, you know, it was unreasonably cold and we did get a lot of snow, which is great, you know, fresh powder, but like, it was crazy, crazy, like single digits, negative cold. And of course it was like record breaking snowfall. And then everybody was freaking out about their flights. Like, can I get my flight yeah. home? Flights there. Were, hundreds of flights were being canceled per day. What's even crazier, a lot of them who were flying back to Alabama, they're all out of Huntsville. That's where I went to college. And they got like eight to 10 inches of snow. So they were all worried <laughs> because like, you know, the South is not prepared for this kind of weather. They don't have salt. No. They don't have sand. They try. They have a little bit maybe, but not when it's four to eight inches to 10 inches of snow. You know, that shuts down the town for like a week. Yep. And so they were all worried about getting back home to their families and stuff. And so I, I, you know, it was, it, it was interesting. And we have a lot of stories like, you know, for me, the strip club thing and all that, like been there, done that, seen it, like, you know, what, what, at some point you're like Caligula, <laughs> like how I'm much like, more, do I need to see another pair of how much? Okay. Yeah. I don't, don't want to see that. And I told Scott, I was like, I don't want to see that. Like I've, I've been there. Like, you know, for me, it's the, the hanging out with the guys, having some good times, having some good stories, having a few drinks, a few laughs, you know, reminiscing about the old days and you know, that's, that's a weekend for me at 45. Like I'm, I'm my, when I, my dad was my age. He had four kids, you know? Oh boy. So like, I'm yeah. on, the, I'm long in the tooth for like the, the typical bachelor. Party. Had I done this 20 years ago, I probably would have been a lot wilder, but like I said, we've been there, man. Like, uh, what about you? What, what did you do that? How many, well, and, and how old were you at the time? Cause that's probably a good framing. Well, I gotta say, well, one, was it your first time snowmobiling? First time snowmobiling. I've been snowboarding uh, before. Definitely. That we'll do is it again. so much it's so much fun. I, I that stuff I grew up on doing up there, and actually, where, yeah. you, where you were it was kind of the area where we used to go all the time. It was awesome. It is so much fun. But yeah, you can really fuck yourself up. Yeah, pretty damn good. I mean, it's a you know, it's like a jet ski, but there's trees. Yeah. <laughs> so and, and what's crazy is like you know we had a good laugh at one of my buddies. Like he stepped like two two steps off the trail really to go take a leak, and like fell to Sunk his right hip down. in the snow. And so yep. right then I should have registered like, Hey, you better keep the sleds, you know, <laughs> on, on the, the track. Oh, it's, and it's sure no enough, fun. Like I had a one buddy who ran off the trail twice, never rolled over, but ran off the tail tra- tra- trail twice and had to be dug out or help, help dig out. You know, we're capable guys. And then like I, myself, I ran off twice. Once, once I just got kind of snowed under, like the back track just got too deep in the, in the soft stuff. And the second time, like it was single track and I ran off and like narrowly missed a tree. And I was like, it was a small mm-hmm. tree, probably wouldn't have done anything, but still like it could have messed up the, the skis the or whatever. And so yeah. like, I was pretty lucky. It was, it was like, you fell into soft snow. And if one track went off and the weight went over that way, which is what happened to me, it was like buried in like three feet of snow. And, and by the way, it was snowing the entirety of the trip, like dumping snow and it was snowing the entire time we were snowmobiling. So like, just to give you an idea, it wasn't like this was like packed snow. It was like freshly falling constantly like powder out there, which is awesome. Beautiful conditions, but yeah, yeah it's no fun getting stuck. You'll be, you, I mean, you'll be digging for hours. I mean, I've been digging for hours, getting myself out of yeah. situations on a and that, that's, I think these were pretty light models because we were able to like with two or three, two of us on the back, we were able to like lift up the back track to like, back on the trail and then reverse it and kind of right get the ship, out of there, you know, nice. But, uh, but well, what that sounds do? like an awesome time. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that I was, really I'm trying to think back. I was, I believe I was 26 when oh, I yeah. had my bachelor party. I think, yeah. We got, <laughs> we got married when I was 27. Yeah. My bachelor party 
you know, I'm the same. A lot of my friends are all over the country, not so much from, you know, from college, but in, in the automotive world, all my friends are, I have, you know, friends in Seattle and, and, uh, you know, in Washington, Colorado, New York. So I made my bachelor party in Vegas, but not so much just for yeah. the Vegas to do the Vegas thing is because every single year is the SEMA show, the SEMA car show, which is usually oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. in October. And usually everybody goes to SEMA. So I figured, okay, I'll make my bachelor party the weekend right after SEMA because everybody's going to be there. They'll, yeah. they'll already be there. So I don't have to be like, okay, hey, let's go make a trip. Come fly out just for, you know, these two days or three days that we did it. So, but I was there from in Vegas from Monday to Sunday because, Ooh, you know, make you know, SEMA was going, yes, yeah, SEMA was going Monday <laughs> through Friday. Vegas. Oh God, I died three times probably. I mean, <laughs> Vegas went, I mean, SEMA was like Monday through, you know, Friday or Tuesday through Friday. And then, you know, I'd have, I think I had like two, two, three, two or three friends that flew in just for the weekend that weren't part of the SEMA get together. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was essentially like a, like a week long bachelor party, wow. which was extremely wow. exhausting. But you know, it was it was chill. I mean, again, I'm not I'm, I'm the same as you. I'm not the strip club kind of guy. It just feels weird. Uh, oh, duh. yeah, it's, yes. not, it's just Thank not my you. thing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I remember my 18th birthday going to a strip club and you know them writing 18 on my forehead with a highlighter yeah. and, and like you know it just becomes a thing of of like okay, let's you know uh, make make fun of you or or yeah. <laughs> put you in a weird position and. My bachelor party was the same way in some senses. I mean, SEMA week was chill, just nice dinners, hang out with friends. I've, I think, yeah, we. I'm sure we went to a strip club then. And then my core group of friends that were my groomsmen flew in, I think, on that Friday. And then we did, you know, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, which was by then I was toast. This was October, um, did you say? Yeah, it's like it's like yeah, it's usually. Did you guys do like October. the pool parties or or the clubs or whatever? No. I mean, I'm not much of a club guy. But no, I, I hate clubs. I'm definitely <laughs> I hate clubs. Uh, I can't dance. Sucks. I mean, it's just not my scene. But yeah, we we I had some friends come to town, and and you know my my uh, main uh, was it? What's your main groomsman again? Uh, Griffin. No, no, oh, my like, best man. You, you, oh, no, no, your best man. Not mine. Best you man. Mean, no, no, what is yeah, best, yeah, best, best man. man. He was setting things up, and I was like, yeah. okay, you know. And, and I yeah. know Danielle mentioned it also in a previous episode. Yeah, she, <laughs> he, she was like, oh, do they, you know, do they have this plan for you or that plan for you? I'm like, I have no fucking clue what they have planned. Guys for are me. so I'm, easy though. You know, I'm just like, trusting that yeah. you know he's got it set up, and you know, it was like a nice dinner on Friday night. Well, for them it was a nice dinner, but it was a dinner in. The Caesars form shops. Wow. Which was okay. You know, yeah. they, they, it was not definitely what I, not what I would have thought. It was like, okay, our nice dinner to go out to. Yeah. It's crazy. Like nice dinners at 26 aren't always the, the same as like, you know, nice dinners when you. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. But, you know, so it was a nice dinner and all. But then, you know, they, they did the, the typical, the stereotypical, oh, we're going to get, get strippers to the broom. Oh, oh really? You all oh, did that. Oh, my God. Not my idea. <laughs> and and that's not was, a good idea, I don't think. No, we, we had a great, you know, we, we it was you know cheaper to get one big ass room. So we had, you know, a big like penthouse room in Bellagio and oh, and they're like, Oh no, we got we got strippers coming. I'm like, oh boy, here we go. Oh my god. And it was the most horrible experience in my yeah. entire life because it was well, one, it's a shakedown. You know, it's like okay, oh, yeah, okay. Get, it's yes. a shakedown. It's a shakedown. But you but know, here's my here's my broader point. This is not to speak ill of everybody in Las Vegas because I'm not going to say everybody, but there's a lot of people doing shakedowns out there. 
Oh yeah. Like we went, we went to, this is a buddy of mine. It wasn't mine, but we went to Spearmint Rhino, which is like one of the mega, you know, strip clubs out there. And, and I was more fascinated. (laughs) This is, I'm such a nerd, but like, I was more fascinated with the business of it. Like we got this limo and the guy was like, Oh, I know the door guy. This is going to be great. Like all you guys, there was like probably 15 of us, like a big group. You know, this is probably my, my mid to late twenties. I want to say for one of my buddies and got us all in the car and we took this big, we were drinking, you know, having a good old time, like in this big stretch of limo on the way to the Spear Rhino. We get there to the door and the guy's like, I don't know this clown. Like, you're not getting a discount on the cover, which is like out there. It's like 50 yes, bucks for, a head. Yep. Something expensive. Crazy. Just to get in the door. Just, just to, to get, get in, the, in door. the door. Just to get in the door. Then you're a Bud Light bottle inside is like 10 bucks. You're like, what the? And then the girl, you know, if you like dance for your buddy or whatever, then you're really coming out of pocket. But like the thing that was like, A, all that stuff aside, all that disheartening wallet opening aside, like we finally get inside and it's like, man, these girls should be hired on Wall Street. Like the hard sales pitch they give, like, I mean, you can't go 30 seconds. If you want to get dances and all that and you're a guy or, or girl or whatever, by all means, go to Vegas and go to one of these clubs. As long as you have a lot of money, they are going to come to you and they are going to want to take your money and they will, they are relentless. Like I, I could, I was just like straight up like, Hey, I'm not paying for myself at all tonight. If you go over and talk to it's that guy, him. we point to that guy and he picks you, then I'll foot the bill or whatever for his dance or whatever. But like, as far as I'm concerned, I'm this guy's sugar daddy tonight. So go talk to him, <laughs> you know? And yet, Every 30 seconds they'd make, and it would be the same girls coming up over and over again. Like, are you oh, sure? Yeah. Are you, are you really sure? Are you sure? Mm-hmm, and I was like, mm-hmm. damn, this is relentless. And then, like you said, being fascinated by the business of it, like then there was this, the, the one girl who he, who he chose came over mm-hmm. and like afterwards and, you know, we're paying her and tipping her and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, so I was like, oh, like, so you're like a Vegas local. And she was like, no, I fly in. She's like, I fly in and I make 3000 bucks like a day. Yep. And I was like, what am I doing? Mind what? <laughs> yeah. What am I, what am I doing with my life right what now? Wait, doing what? With my life, she comes in Thursday to Saturday and makes, you know, 10 grand a week. Oh yeah. I, like, I mean, what? it's, it's, it's definitely, it's very much that. So especially for SEMA, it's, you know, SEMA's yeah, I think, oh, I'd imagine. one of the top two biggest shows in, in Vegas during that time. And I mean, you go on Thursday or sorry, during that week for SEMA, you go to you know Burbank and, Every Southwest Everybody. flight is Everybody. packed with strippers yeah. and, and they call it the stripper express. I mean, it really is. And yeah, they fly in for the weekend, you know, make 10, 15, 20 grand, who knows? And then they're right back out on, you know, right sun, Sunday morning is, is also their regular a job or whatever. <laughs> Sunday morning at, at, what a at side hustle. McCarran or that's no, not McCarran now or Las Vegas airport. Sunday yeah. morning is definitely, you know, the stripper walk of shame, but they're going back you know, super loaded strip I mean, all the way to the bank. Yeah. But I will say, there, there, I'll say though, nothing. <laughs> but, though, 15 grand. but at the strip clubs, it's, you know, it's more secure. It, oh yeah. It's, you know, straight business. The in room is a total like rape shakedown. That's, and that's scary. Cause like I've seen a lot of yes. movies and you're like, okay, you know, there's going to be a guy there standing in the corner. Like, well, you said you were going to pay him this and you know, what are you oh. going to do? Say, no, he's probably got a gun. He's, he's huge, whatever. Yeah. We didn't have any of that. I mean, there was, I mean, if there was a guy, he wasn't in the room, he was probably down the hallway or something somewhere. Yeah, but right. my, me and my friends, they ordered two girls to our room and it was just a beat me up, shake me down on the floor in front of all my friends. Like, 
okay, who's going to, you know, who, we're going to do this to him. Who's going to pay up now? Like, and all my friends are broke oh ass at the time. They're like, wait, what? You know, we paid for you girls to be here and dance. Wait, now, now it's more money. Oh, wait, what? And I'm just sitting here in my fucking underwear getting yeah. fucking yeah. wax poured on me and beat up and humiliated. I'm like, okay, this is not what I expected as a exactly, exactly. And now you know party experience. Now you yeah. know why I went skiing and snowboarding and snowmobile. Like it was <laughs> had nice oh. meals, no, no public humiliation or flogging. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, and, and, and I'll say it. Danielle stepped in. I, she, she, I don't know if I told her or she'd heard from one of my other groomsmen what was going on. Um, and was like, Oh boy. And she had set me up with another friend of hers and they took me and I think two more of my groomsmen who weren't passed out at the time to a different strip club. And for, it was a totally nice, normal, fine experience. They tried to humiliate me. They, they took my belt off and they tied it to the top of the pole thinking, Oh, we're going to watch them try to get that now. Not knowing that I can work the pole, and I climbed up that bitch in two fucking seconds. Grabbed my bell with my teeth, stroke a pose, and slid all the way down, and that was there it. There you go. Um, yeah. But it was a good time. Nice. Uh, but it was it was it was just more nice to see all my friends and and you know hang out and have those nice dinners and I think you know just hang out in the in the lobby bars having a cigar. You know, catching yeah. up because again, you you, you, know, you don't see those people all the time. Now. I will say though, I mean, as you know, all drama, there's always drama around weddings. I know Scout's been dealing with it. I'm sure yeah. you probably will as well. I mean, I know I lost, I know I lost one groomsman who wouldn't come to the bachelor party. And I don't know why he made up some bullshit reason. I, I don't know. Lost one <laughs> right there off the bat, you know, boom, I can't come to your bachelor party. I'm like we're going to Vegas to have cigars and play blackjack. Really? It really wasn't yeah. about the strippers. And then lost another one after their bachelor party, unfortunately. So you know, the, like uh, no, Danielle, like, like lost, before. like cut from the squad. Yeah, I, lo- I lost one before. Oh man, um, unfortunately, actually, the after bachelor party, yeah, he bailed out on he, he he was there for the bachelor party. Unfortunately, bailed out on the wedding. We didn't talk for five years, but wow. we rekindled our things, and and you know, he was just young and. That's what it is. Just young That's and dumb and, and, yeah. and egos and, and things get involved. And, you know, wedding, weddings bring out some weird shit. <laughs> That's for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I, mean, I think people get stressed out and, you know, there's a lot of money generally going around, like, especially in Vegas, too. If you're getting all keyed up, like people are drinking and whatever else. And like it's it's a town that runs there's on t- excess. There's definitely a stigma also with like, oh, you're going to Vegas. Oh, yeah. yeah. You're going to be strippers in your face all the time. Yeah. yeah let it but, strip it all that. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, definitely not. But <laughs> I mean, weddings in general brings out some funky shit. And, yeah. you know, you, I'm sure you'll, you'll see it also. The friends that you had, you know, at your wedding, whatnot, probably won't be friends with them later, five, 10 years later after your really? wedding. I mean, I'll definitely say, uh, Probably from our wedding party. I mean, from my wedding party, probably I think there's only one or two still around. Actually, really? Friends. Oh man, yeah. I hope. I, I gotta say, I hope that's not the case. I, I hope. Mean, I granted, hope again, not. I'm getting married older, so like anybody who's in my friend group at this point, like you're, you're in with me. You know, like I think I'm trying to think of like who are they all married already, or most no, of them already? No, married? Half, probably like half and half. Okay, so that's a better start than I had. I think only yeah. one of my groomsmen was married. 
Yeah. I mean, that matters too. You know, I mean, people move around a lot and stuff, but like I said, I'm kind of used to that now. I mean, I've, I grew up in Kentucky, went to college in Alabama, lived in New York, LA, back to Alabama, back to LA. So like I've kind of bounced around a lot. So the benefit is like, I've made a lot of good friends who are kind of used to either the distance in our relationship or whatever. Like it's kind of nice though. And and I th- I'm trying to think of like who like my what I consider like my youngest friend in terms of like how many years I've been friends with them, and I think the youngest is like, I say it's like almost four years because I met him. It's one of Scout's friends. We we met them as a couple, or I met them as a couple when I first started dating Scout. And so yeah, I probably know them for four years. And even then, like. I'm sure they're not just going to disappear from our lives because, you know, we're both friends with them. So, yeah, uh, other than that, I mean, they're but you know, what's crazy is like she hasn't even met some of them because, like I said, they're from Alabama and we're out here. And like, even though she goes to a lot of cons and films a lot, either I'm not with her or, you know, whatever. You don't expect people to be like, hey, come to this con to meet my fiance. (laughs) It's kind of weird. So, like, that's, you know, that's going to be interesting, though, because, I mean, I guess the first time she's going to meet them is at your wedding. The wedding. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, that 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 that's going to be interesting. I mean, Daniel definitely had met all of my groomsmen okay. beforehand, so there was no like intros at her wedding. Yeah, we also had a small wedding, but yeah, that that's going to be interesting. I am actually kind of excited to but, see. But how you that's guys were a destination too, so did like people? Did she meet him like the day before? Did you guys do a welcome thing or? Yeah, we, like well, we did. We did the welcome thing. We, we, you know, ours was on the you know January fourth, so we had New Year's oh, wow. there, and yeah. some people were there for New Year's. I mean, uh, we had the the rehearsal dinners and all that, but actually, no. Daniel met everybody, everybody that was prior and probably multiple times prior to the wedding. I don't think there was anybody who she met like once or twice that was at our wedding. Or I gotta say, I appreciate the New Year's wedding. Like my my uh, cousin, my my eldest cousin on my mom's side of the family got married on New Year's Eve, and he and he and his wife decided, you know, that was the way to go, and all of us were like still in high school at that point or or like just starting college or whatever. And I remember like when he got married and it was new year's Eve, that was also the first time a lot of us had drank a lot. (laughs) It was a Catholic wedding. And like, I I don't know if it was the bartender was cool or we figured out a way to sneak it or what, but I just remember openly being pretty hammered for the first time with (laughs) my family around and like not even trying, like there was no hiding it. Everybody was just like, <laughs> yeah, they don't really, they don't really care at weddings. The the wedding bartenders don't no. really give a shit. No. Give it, a it, shit. It, it, those stories are like still told to today, and that was probably in the nineties. I want to say like that was a long oh, time ago, but we're still telling those tales because they were that. It was that wild. So you know, and and the timing, you know, oh, it's great. Yeah, then oh, we they parlay that into New Year's. But I, I will say, like for us, I mean, ours was on the fourth. It was just after New Year's. It's also made, it's made it more difficult down the line to be able to go do things for our anniversary that's just oh, yeah. for our anniversary because you know you have christmas then you got new year's and then our anniversary and it's like okay well now okay the kids are going back or right now they go right back to school right after new year's or well it could be a know, blessing or, it could be a curse right trip. you're not gonna forget yeah. it <laughs> no yeah don't. you'll never forget that you'll never, never forget, forget your wedding it, which day. is good and ours is cinco de mayo and like it's either you know, cinco de mayo's right then and like uh my birthday is right after like a week after that which may or may not be a great thing. And then uh, May the uh, May the 4th, which is May the 4th be with you if you're into the Star yeah, Wars Star stuff. Wars. Like, that's the 4th. So, like, every year, there's no way I'm forgetting that day. You know, like, it's going to be like, this is easy. I can remember but, this. But now, though, will you potentially be pulled away for work or a convention with May 4th? You know, 4th? what's funny is, like, 
the last two years we've done like an anniversary trip. Cause that's also a, like May the 6th was like one of the first texts we sent to each other. And we consider that like our sort of unofficial anniversary or the month of May anyway. It's kind of funny because the last two years I've turned down conventions because we already had a trip planned and my agent's like, ah, you're killing me. Like this, this, this is like your Halloween, you know, this is like, your time. Yeah. This, this is, is your, your Halloween time. And you are, yeah. you are killing me. And I was like, ah, you know, what do you, I mean, you know, in life it's like at your, your relationships and your family and your friends, they take over. It's, it's nice to have all that. And that's been a huge benefit in life in general. But like, you know, you, you know, what really matters, like, I don't need, I don't need all that, you know? Yeah. It's just <laughs> going to suck. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. I've got the, Oh, great job. Oh wait. Nope. That's my anniversary. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like I said, you know, for us, it's just like, Oh, it's new year's and you know, Christmas, the new year's and you're like, okay, we're tired or, you know, what else can we go do? Or also an expensive time of year to travel. I mean, yeah. we just had 10 years yeah. uh, and, and, you know, I wanted to go do an awesome trip and go do something and you know it's an expensive time of year, and also you know, like I said, the holidays, kids. And you're like, okay, yeah, we're not going to go do something right yeah, now, just even though I want to. You've yeah. just been through Christmas. You've just been through New Year's. Yeah, but, yeah. I, I mean, the, the the side benefit for me to offer a counterpoint is if I do a convention, it's like, hey, let's go do this convention, and then we'll use that go to go take a trip else. somewhere. You know, like that so also that could be great. side benefit. You know. Yeah, that's, that's um, usually us with Florida. You know, it's usually Florida. Okay, go see the friends, go see family and yeah. do that. And and then bring the kids, go do Disney, yep. turn into a big family Oh, thing. yeah, you guys and, did it this year, right? You went to Disney and Universal? Or yeah, just I did? think uh, just, well, wait, this year we just did Disney. I think last year, no, I didn't do, no, we haven't done Universal, just done Disney. We Last year we did also like SeaWorld, which was horrendous, horrible thing. Don't ever, <laughs> would never do that again. I, you uh, know, the kids like, as I've grown up, like zoos kind of depress me now. Yeah. I'm like, I'm man, like, he's in a tank. Like, it's like, fun when you're a kid, like you're, you're innocent and you, it's like ni- ignorance is bliss. You know, you're like, look at the polar bear in 90 degree weather in my Kentucky zoo or whatever. And then like you grow up and you're like, oh God, that's horrific. Like, <laughs> exactly. <you're> like, <laughs> like, oh man. Back. Yeah, so, it's like oh, he's in a he's stuck in a fucking fishbowl. Oh, yeah, man. Mm, that yeah, sucks. That, I mean, and and also good. Florida Sea World during COVID, you know, everybody's like, I mean, it's like a water park with splash yeah. pad, and people are fully yeah. clothed, jeans and t shirts, in a splash pad with kids. I'm like, yeah, that that yeah, it's not yeah, there's a little that's weird. There's a little there's something a little, to. Uh, little gross too lowbrow yeah. about that yeah <laughs> yeah but the kids love disney so again it's always great to turn that into a, a fun family trip and spooky yeah. is also yeah you know, it's a great show and that's yeah that's, that, i think that was the last live maybe that was the last maybe, live and i went we went to disney right after that actually yeah yeah you I remember you came down for the- well we're both big fans of the coasters i mean i love it so nice. not a bad time there <laughs> Let, let's do some questions and i think just in the interest of time like what if we trade off and then uh We'll just kind of uh, yeah. Let's see. We'll let's kind of go. We'll, I'll read one, and then you read one, and we'll kind of we'll kind of ping pong until we run out of time here. Because sounds good. We want to get to some fan questions. So let's do the first one. This is Stevie from Buffalo. Uh, oh, there's one for you and one for me. Uh, Tom, how did you end up being cast in the Star Wars shows? And then David, what is your what was your first bike? Are Harley's really worth the hype? Oh, this is <laughs> a lot of stuff. What was your first bike? Are the Har- Harley's really worth the hype? Is riding the bike a family activity with Danielle, or do you mostly go alone? 
I just got a bike in September, 89 Yamaha Virago 1100. My wife isn't too thrilled about riding with me. Motorcycles make her nervous. Has this ever been an issue with you and yours? I'll let you go first since I just read all that. <laughs> okay. So, uh, yeah, so obviously if you follow me online, you know I, I'm big in cars and, and motorcycles, and obviously my motorcycles is my, my fun passion right now. Um, this is actually, well, I had a bike back in college. I did. I owned a Ducati. Um, for a brief period, um, <laughs> my family was always anti motorcycles. I rode dirt bikes as a kid, and and I I always loved Harley as a as a kid. Um, I think it was like the culture, the shirts, and all that fun stuff, and yeah. branding. But when it became of age, when I was actually able to ride, at least on the street, it was like a nope, you can't have a motorcycle. You know that that comes also. My father was a orthopedic surgeon, and he oh, yeah. fixed a lot of people. A lot of that yeah, I mean, really, what it was you know, Top Gun had come out uh, during that time. He just moved to California. I was just born, and a lot of pilots that out at Point Magoo were wrecking their motorcycles. Oh yeah, one was putting, yeah, putting them back PCH. together, and and you know, it's it's not usually the bike that kills you. It's usually the car behind you that runs you over that kills you. So absolutely, yeah. my family was anti that, but I, I did ha- in college. Uh, I went to the University of Denver. I bought a Ducati off I don't know, Craigslist at the time. Like yeah. I always loved that bike. And then they found out, about, my father found out about it. My property manager called him and told, called them and said, uh, yeah, your son's parking his motorcycle, you know, on the line of his parking oh. spot and, and oh. he can't do that. And um, he called me Busted. and was like, he's like, so what's going on with this motorcycle? And I was just like, what Busted. motorcycle are you talking about? He's like, the, the, the fucking Ducati parked in your parking spot. And I was like, ah, oh, shit. Okay. So I sold that real quickly. But needless to say, I didn't have my motorcycle license. The bike wasn't even insured, wasn't registered. Wow, I just rode, really? it, to and fr- oh, I rode it to and from school briefly. It was not set up for riding on the street. The inverted forks, it only turned three degrees. It was the GP shifting. It was not the first bike you should have. That's yeah. for sure. But I've always wanted a Harley. I always wanted to be riding again. And I would ride with my brothers down in Florida all the time when I'd go visit them and they'd give me a spare bike and I'd have to hide that from my family. But now, you know, being married and I have no relationship with my family and my family is Danielle and my boys. I've always wanted to have a bike and it, it came in a weird way. It came about, you know, I've got you know neck and back issues and, you know, every single day is different for me. So you know, Danielle and I actually had a heart to heart and I was kind of like, look, uh, I want to get a bike. I want to ride. And I don't know if I wait till my boys are 18 to, you know, be able to, if, I, if I'm going to be able to ride when, <laughs> when they're 18 and at then yeah. they're still going to need me around it. There's no like, okay, well now your boy, your kids are grown and they don't need you. Like your yeah. kids will always need their parent. So, you know, obviously being a little selfish myself, you know, but at the same time, it's, it's, it's a dream. It's a passion. And I, and I wanted to do it. So we actually, yeah. we, we had a kind of like a little come to Jesus you know, talk and figured it out. And we came up with little, you know, with, with our rules, you know, I, I'm only, I only ride with other people. I don't ride by myself unless, yeah. um, unless I'm going to go meet them or coming back. I always tell her where I'm going, when I'm leaving. And when I get there, I always wear my helmet. I'm not stupid. Yeah. I always wear my gear. But yeah, that's it. It's it's not a family thing. I mean, I'll ride with my boys. They have the little dirt bikes, and we'll ride around the neighborhood. Um, All right. Danielle hasn't gotten on the bike with me yet, but yeah. she says she will, which is something that she, I never thought she would say. But she said she will get on the bike as soon as we get our wills and trusts and all that stuff <laughs> set up. Well, then she'll get on the bike with me. 
but yeah, she that definitely that threw me for for a real curveball because um yeah, she was, you know, again, anti that. I know her mom yeah. was in a motorcycle accident also when she was younger. So yeah, uh, it, it is it is a family thing, at least me with the boys for right now. Hopefully yeah. eventually I'll get Danielle on there and hopefully she'll love it. She is a she is an adrenaline junkie. You know, if you Scout Scout and I rode together, a buddy of mine had a bunch of bikes and we we rode like a three wheel, like a can am. Like one oh of those boy. stingrays. Okay. And I, I think it's A because it was one of the few that had like the capability for two people because he, he had mostly sport bikes. But yeah, it was really fun. Like that, that was a fun day. We went riding around just up in Ohio and like uh, up there in was the that her fir- Was that her first time on a bike? I doubt it. I don't I think doubt so. <laughs> I don't know for sure, but I doubt it. She, yeah, she's I mean, pretty daredevil too. Like we, we go jet skiing and she won't let me drive. She wants to drive the whole time. And I'm like, you got to trade off some, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I I will not ride with Danielle. She is fucking yeah, nuts on my. Oh, they're she. Yeah. Will, oh, I'm I'm not a good passenger. I will definitely say that for <laughs> right now. Like, maybe it's a control thing. I don't know, but she's nuts on a jet ski and yeah. a snowmobile also. So you know, oh, wow. the, only, the only thing on the snowmobile is it's since it's a little heavier and she's got to lean. She yeah. she tones it down on that, but on a jet ski, no fucking way will I be a passenger with her on a jet oh, ski. We gotta she go. Is definitely, we gotta she go. Is, she is fun. crazy hardcore. So I, I will I will default to let her ride by herself, but yeah, I'm excited to get her on the bike though. That's for sure. Hopefully, cool. hopefully soon. Okay, so how'd you end up being cast in Star Wars? I mean, if this is like an advice thing, what I always tell people is, you know, maintain your relationships, and when you are given opportunities, I mean, shoot, before the opportunity arises, just work hard and be humble. The the long story short is like ten years before the star Wars project. I was living in Alabama at the time I was doing my first stunt jobs. Like I, I started out in acting and then kind of moved into stunts and uh, I was doing like my third or fourth stunt job. And they were, it was a, what they call previs, which is like the stunt coordinator films, all the fight choreography and everything shows it to the director. The director kind of gives their stamp of approval or give notes, gives notes backs or whatever. And then um, that goes on to the actors and the actors kind of watch it and they're like, Oh yeah, that's cool. Whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then they get trained in that. And so I was doing previs for a movie with Jason Momoa and Sylvester Stallone called bullet to the head. And I was, I'm six, four and most, you know, stunt guys are probably the size of most actors, which is like five, eight to five, 10, something like that. And so they had somebody standing in for Stallone. And then they said, Hey, you're at least in scale. You're like the right size to be uh Momoa. Definitely not. He's, gonna be he's tall, tall, right? He, he like, seems like he's a tall dude. I'm assuming he's tall. He's tall. He's like yeah. six, five, six, six. I, I usually say six, six, like he's a big dude. Okay. But um, on the day, you know, they would obviously need somebody with the same skin tone and all that kind of stuff. But for the previs, they were like, Hey, you're the right size. You're the right scale. So at least we can work out the fight choreography and show the director what it might look like. And so I did the fight choreography. It was an ax fight. And so I did all the fight choreography with these, with the ax and uh, fast forward 10 years later, I hadn't worked for this same guy since then. You know, I had moved to LA and that was kind of where I was. And he was working with the stunt coordinator from Obi-Wan, the show, in Berlin on the Matrix 4. And they were all doing fight choreography and second unit and stunt coordinating over there. And so my boss from Obi-Wan was, you know, already sort of putting together his crew of the guys he wanted or the, the, the sort of the short list of who he could potentially use for different roles. And my name was brought up and, and the rest is sort of history, but it, 
you know, I could talk, I, I have talked in other podcasts and stuff more about the casting process once I got that phone call, but to get that phone call was real proof that like just maintaining your relationships. And like, at the time, you know, I was not getting paid much or if, if at all, but like, I was just, you know, working to work and like to learn from these masters of the craft. And, you know, that just goes, I always tell people like, if you work hard, if you stay humble and you don't have a big ego and you're just like, Hey, I'll bleed for you. If you do right by me, those guys will take care of you. And so I feel really blessed and really grateful that like my name was even in the conversation or he remembered me from all those years ago. I was like, Oh, I must've done an okay job. You know, <laughs> that's, that's crazy. So, to get that call from somebody. Yeah. 10 years yeah. later that you worked with to be like, Hey, you're on my list right now. Like 10 years. That's, that's awesome. That's a long time. So that's like, yeah, time. I felt really grateful. And like, I still feel really grateful. Like, you know, it's kind of like one thing led to the other. So hopefully now that the strikes are over, if, if they start schooling back up or, or, or getting their crew together, hopefully they'll give me a shout. So maybe I can nice. keep it going. Yeah. Keep it going. Keep it going. How are we, how we doing on time? We got time for more? Yeah. I like, yeah, I like uh, questions. Yeah, I mean, we have a 911 call too, but I, I kind of like the questions. Yeah. I think the questions are fine. I, I, I you know what? Sorry, ladies, we're ditching the 911 call. We got good Ooh. questions to go for, I think. This one, this one's real. This one from Cody, Cody Landman. This one just came in. Should we do this one? Well, uh, <laughs> it might throw you for it. a curveball. It's not, it's not on the outline. Throw me. <laughs> this one says, I, hi, David and Tom. Hope you guys are doing great. My question is, what are some of your biggest insecurities and how do you deal with them? I feel like as men, this is something that's not really openly discussed. We're expected to be presented in a certain way for our gender, expected to be a certain weight, perfect mentally, the list goes on. So I just want to know what you can reveal to male listeners to help us not feel alone. What can we do to overcome, help break the stigma of males being unable to express themselves mentally and emotionally? Thanks for doing the show. I'm sure this means a lot to Daniel and Scout, and I can only imagine how proud of you are of the work and impact they've accomplished. That's a big question. Yeah, well, very proud of the work they've accomplished. It's very hard to do this show. Yeah, that's yeah, for it's hard. sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, insecurities. I think that I mean, that was a lot of that was a big question. But insecurities, have, well, doing it right now. This is probably one of the yeah, most insecure things right I have here. ever done in my entire life. I'm not part of this industry at all. I I don't. I've never. I suck on. I suck on camera. I mean, even you know, rocking the carpet with Danielle. I'm like. What do I do? What oh, do I yeah. Do? Oh, I'm still I, not I, used to that. I'm, no, not, I'm, in I'm, the not, industry. I'm in the industry. And I've done I mean, modeling before, but like we went to some party recently and Scout was like on the carpet and they were like, she was like, do you want to, do you want to come? And I was like, I don't know. I was like, I don't know what to do. That's when I was Ricky Bob. I was like, I don't know what to yeah, do. You're like, I don't, I, do. I, you're I don't like, know how to pose gonna, and like get the right light and all that. Like, yeah. Like how do you pose on there? Like, I mean, they're, they are professionals. They, they know it. They know I mean, what they're doing. Yeah. And they've been doing it their whole lives. Yeah. I mean. I got thrown into this. I, I'm like, uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Thank, thankfully, they don't ask me questions. Um, <laughs> I'm just like, smile and wave. Um, <laughs> now you but, yeah, I mean, but yeah, like, in, but the insecurities, I mean, doing this is something I would right now doing this show, or trying to do this show <laughs> is not something I would ever do ever putting myself yeah. out there or talking to, you know, thousands of people that are hopefully going to listen to this episode. So yeah, I mean, there's my norm. I mean, I'm a, I'm a normal guy. Normal insecurities. Yeah, losing your hair. That's it. Getting fat. Not as strong as you used to be. I mean, all yeah. you know, just like anything. I mean, normal, normal, normal guy insecurities. I guess. I mean, I don't yeah, think yeah. I, I mean, I I gotta say it's the same. I mean, 
in, in terms of insecurities, like it, it can sometimes even be exacerbated, like being in the industry, even with stunts, like there's a lot of comparative stuff where you're like, oh, I can't do what that guy does. And it's, and it's kind of, it, it's in a way it's almost emasculating. It's like, Oh, physically, like you're, you're really physically like, I just can't do what that guy does. Like he's so good at whatever. And I mean, you know, the trick I guess is to not be jaded by that stuff. You want to be like, I'm Humble friends with that guy and be like, yo, man, I'm gonna learn. awesome. You are a badass or well, as close as you can get, you know, sometimes it's like Eddie Van Halen, but you know, you can, you can play the same lick, but it ain't going to sound the same, you know, like so, some, some of that stuff, like some of those guys are just like the absolute world class at what they do. And it's not about having big cojones or, you know, you can be a tough guy. I mean, I think that's sort of a prerequisite in stunts anyway, but like, or, or gal, but like, to, sometimes like people are just physically gifted. They're genetic freaks. Like my, one of my buddies is, was a D one collegiate wrestler and he was all American almost twice would have been twice if he hadn't got injured. So like the level that's eight people a year, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, like these are incredibly gifted humans, like championship free divers. When I was working on the avatar stuff, like some of these people ha- are, are, are just born and bred to do exactly what they're doing. And that, that can cause, insecurities. You know, I I said, I did modeling for a while. That was awful. Like I was cast as a model only because I'm a big and tall model. If that makes sense. Like I'm not that handsome of a guy, but like I would go into like some of these places and like dudes just like, it's like they have blue steel permanently on their face. I'm like, I'm never bringing a girl around you. Like (laughs) ever, ever. Like I'm like a little, like that guy's handsome, you know, like like, Like, I'm not bringing a girl around you. Uh Uh-uh. No. That's, that's like, that's a dumb move. That's a freshman move, you know? Yeah. So like, yeah, there's, there's insecurities out there. I mean, I think the biggest thing is like, you know, if you're, I, there was another question and I'm going to, I'm going to use this answer for both. There was another question. I forget who submitted it, but it was about like a 22 year old single guy who was like, every time I try to go out with a girl, I fail, blah, 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 whatever. And I'll give the same answer as like, at the end of the day, you just can't give a fuck. Like, Hey, for the guy who was asking about relationships and girls and all that, like, I promise you there is nothing sexier to, I don't care what you look like. I don't care what your job is. I don't care what you're doing. The, I don't give a fuck vibe is like, it's not even just women. Like guys will be like, what, 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 how is he so free? And I know that's a really tall ask, but the, the, the sort of practice behind that is like, I'll, I'll say this. Like, so when, when I started dating scout, like I was really into horses and I, and I wasn't working as on shows as much as I was later in our relationship. So I had a lot of free time. And so I was working at the ranch, like five to seven days a week, just like doing the ranch work and training horses and all this kind of fun stuff. And like, I was really passionate about it. Like it wasn't work to me, you know, it was one of those things. Like I went there and I would be there from like sun up till sundown some days. And, and that was, a, that was fine by me, like living that country life. And, and cause I really loved it. I love being outside. I love working with the animals. I love doing like ranch work. Like I was just like, this is awesome. Like I get my workout, I get to do fun stuff. I'm eating like lunch, you know, tacos, but out on the ranch watching the wind blow and you know, it was, it was good life. And so like, I want to say like part of that is what made scout attracted to me. I think that when you have that attitude or when you're really involved in whatever your passion is, that's the real answer here that like people will flock to you. And I think the quote goes, I'll paraphrase somebody's quote, like to be interesting, you have to be interested. Like if you're passionate about something, if you're pursuing your own stuff, whether it be financial, spiritual, emotional, whatever, you're going to be fine 
with other people. And that kind of gets back to the insecurities thing too, is like at some point there's a mature thing. And again, I'll paraphrase like a something I read or something I saw that was like, in your 20s, you think everybody's thinking about you. In your 30s, you realize not everybody's thinking about you. In your 40s, you realize nobody was ever thinking about you. And in your 50s <laughs> and 60s, you realize like, you know, what's Don't really important, which is what you are interested in, not what other people are interested in. Because like you, you can have those insecurities. And, and in a way, like if it's a healthy thing, like you can say, hey, like I'm out of shape. And like maybe that'll, you know, I think there's a balancing act, right? Like you want to be just insecure enough to be like, I need to work on this in my life. You know, whether it's, again, your emotions, your physicality, your spirituality, whatever. But then there's another piece of it in my mind, which is like, at the end of the day, like, you really got to stop caring what other people think and just do you. Because, you know, the girls always say one life, one life, you know, YOLO. <laughs> but, but really, it's like you can't. You, you just at, at some point, I think either it's either a, a combination of things like either you realize it or you, you make yourself realize like everybody else is so in their own head about whatever they're thinking of, even if they look good, if they got money, they got a car, whatever house, like they're so in their own head and they're so in their own stuff. They don't even have the bandwidth to, to think about you like that bully and stuff, you know, that stuff, once you, once you're out of high school or whatever, like that stuff's kind of over, you know, like nobody's thinking about you. Nobody's projecting their insecurities on you. Nobody's doing that stuff anymore. Like they're so wrapped up in their own shit bills their car their house their whatever they don't have time for you <laughs> which yeah. is a blessing you know you you realize that and you're like oh that means i i don't have to think about me that much like if i just do what i like i'm gonna find somebody i'm gonna be happy i'm gonna be less insecure or whatever so i don't know sorry i, yeah, I talked def- for a long no time. De- no definitely i mean you just have to just go for it i mean yeah. you could be insecure and, and i mean i'm full of insecurities hugely you just have to do it I mean, yeah. just be uncomfortable because that's, you know, it's just part of life. You're going to have to be uncomfortable at times and you're going to hopefully learn from it. Yeah. And and also, like you said, do the things that you want to do and you'll find somebody that, you know, fits in that. I mean, you, yeah. you'll fit into somebody else's life. Like they'll fit into your life Yeah. and, and you got to, you just got to you know, put yourself out there. I mean, I, I'm big on, I'm big on quotes. So I'll give you, t- I'll give you two more about this. One is like, there's a stoic philosophy that the obstacle is the way. It's like old, that's as old as Marcus Aurelius, you know, that's but good. like it, there, there really is some value there. I think, which is like, if you can be uncomfortable, if you can be comfortable being uncomfortable, whether you're learning a new skill, whether you're doing, you know, you know, a new school, a skill, a new, new set of knowledge, a new, whatever, like to be unco- in uncomfortable situations and uncomfortable conversations, your life will grow exponentially. Like if you can allow yourself that grace of like, yeah, I might be a little too old to be learning how to dance or whatever. Like if you can get over that BS, it opens up such a world of possibilities, no matter what that thing is you're pursuing, that's hard for you to pursue, whether it's personal growth or a new skill or a new idea or whatever, like that's you. I just think it's so invaluable. It's like one of the great life teachers, I think is to be able to learn by doing something that makes you feel uncomfortable until you get comfortable at it. Like that's just such a key thing. That's solid. Solid. To be continued. 